This episode is brought to you by MyBookie. Everybody wants to bet on sports. If you don't, you should. Go do it. Uh, betting on sports is a fun way to make watching them more interesting, right? Because you got some money on the line. Uh, and there's no way, no better way, that is, to bet on sports than using MyBookie.ag. MyBookie has the most lines, best odds, and fastest payouts of any online sports book. They also have 24-7 customer support. So, uh, you got to use mybookie.ag. And right now, if you use mybookie, you can enter our promo code THPN and they will match your initial deposit 50% up to $1,000. Meaning, if you put down 100 bucks, you get an extra 50. If you put down 200 bucks, you get an extra 100, so on and so forth. Isn't that a good deal? Go to mybookie.ag today. Use our promo code THPN. Activate that offer. Mybookie, you bet, you win, you get paid. Enjoy this episode. What's up, Siren Sounder Podcast, Hockey Podcast Network, episode 41. Welcome to this episode. Uh, great start, huh? Well, well, I don't even know what I was trying to say there. I'm not going to start it over. I'm just going to power through. Welcome to this episode, I guess. Welcome to this edition of the podcast. I don't know. what Something started with an E, uh, and it wasn't communicated very well. Anyway, here we are, uh, and it is Monday, and... Wow, that was the epitome of a Monday start right there. Carolina Hurricanes are getting a stadium series game, everyone. Insert clapping. Insert applause. There they are. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, Yeah, we've been talking about it for a while now, right? And finally, it's become a reality. Aren't you all excited? I'm excited. February 20th, 2021, Carter Finley Stadium. Gonna be beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, Carter Finley is such a great venue. Uh, obviously I went to NC State. I say obviously, I don't know. Did you know that? I went to NC State. Uh, I've been to a lot of games there. Great environment. Gets real loud. Um, obviously a lot of the same fan base, you know, for the Wolfpack as there are the Hurricanes. And so, you know, same type of rowdy crowd that gets in PNC is going to be at Carter Finley. Um, and the good thing about that stadium because you know they've done this obviously they've done the NHL's done a, I think 32 outdoor games now to this point and you've seen in previous whether it be a winter classic or a uh, stadium series game or whatever these little you know special events that they host for outdoor games have been a lot of times it, it's usually a football stadium right um, and I think you get to a, a point with football stadiums where sometimes they get too big and, you know, a, a hockey rink is a significantly smaller size than a, than a football field. Um, and also, is a, is, there's more going on. It's, fa- it's like a faster-paced game, harder to follow from farther away. Like, it's not necessarily conducive to, to being in a 100,000, you know, capacity arena. Like, that, that game they had up in Michigan. I mean, I'm sure that was great. But there's no way if you're anywhere above the first level that you can see anything that's going on. You're just there for the experience of it, I would assume. Um, and then you've had other games, like they played that one at Wrigley. That had to be awful for anyone that wasn't, you know, it, right in the middle. 
I mean, it's a baseball field. Like it's not. It's it's meant to see a different sort of game. There's no way you can see a hockey game from a lot of those. I mean, imagine sitting like in the outfield. Where's the you know, or on one side or the other? It's not like a It's a diamond <laughs> that like the you know the infield is, and then it it goes off in a V shape from there. So it's not like symmetrical by any means, and it means that it's not surrounded. That's where a football stadium's better. At least it's a it's a it's a circle. I always think of that scene from um I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry or Rob Schneider as the the uh, the Asian um <laughs> the whatever you call it, the guy who marries them and he's like, It's like a circle. It's not like a triangle. A triangle has like a corner. Um I don't know why I got on that. But yeah, the the football arenas is like a circle. And so you can see you know, wherever you are, you're looking in the middle, which is the rink. Um, but like I said, once you get to a certain size, it, it starts to get harder to see. I, I think from from personal experience being at Carter-Finley, uh, and I've sat up high, I've sat down low, um, there's really not a bad seat, especially for a football game. And I, I think even still for a hockey game, um, I mean, I think you want to be up a little bit because... You know, hockey's a little harder to follow to me, right? But I feel like it's the same thing at the arena. You know, a lot of people want to sit on the glass. Like, I, I hate those seats. <laughs> I think they're the worst. You can't see anything to me. Uh, I'd rather be, you know, mid to... I like I like sitting right at the top of the first level. I think it's a great, great seat, center ice, or uh, just off to one side or the other of center ice. Maybe just off to the side of where the Hurricanes shoot twice is my favorite spot to sit. Um... And at Carter Finley, I think it's going to be great sightlines, man. I think that no matter what, um, you know, if you if you just want to get in the door and you want to get an upper level seat, uh, I think you're still going to have a great time and you're still going to be able to, um, to be able to tell what's going on. You know, uh, it's a it's a it's a really cool venue. Uh, it's a good size, sixty thousand ish capacity, uh, and I can't wait, man. I can't wait for just the the world to be able to see. You know, it's just all this. I'm I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of having to prove people wrong. You know, like we shouldn't have to. I understand that uh, there are a large number of Hurricanes fans, and we have a super passionate fan base. And uh, I don't feel the need to defend ourselves at all ever when people want to act like we're less of a fan base than other fan bases. It's just it's just not true. Um, and you know, the playoffs last year proved that. That was another thing, uh, and then we're getting called bandwagon fans, and it's like, well, how come we're selling out? You know, all these games this year during the regular season, like who? Hmm. All those bandwagon fans showing up for a random Wednesday game in in you know January, real playoff like atmosphere. Uh, but it feels like it when the when all the fans are there. But my whole point is, I can't wait for. I I know, <laughs> I know because I'm involved with this with this fan base and with this with the community, right? I know that it's going to be packed. It's going to be absolutely packed. It's going to be insane. And it's going to be the sickest hockey tailgate you've ever seen in your lives. Everyone's going to be like, whoa, wow. Like, you already talk about it. At PNC, people already talk about, man, Carter Finley tailgates are another story. And with that many people there, it's going to be wild, dude. It's going to be crazy. Um, And I can't wait for the world to see that. And maybe finally... Maybe finally shut up. I don't know what the excuse will be then. When you pack a 60,000 capacity arena full of hockey fans to watch the Carolina Hurricanes play, and we don't know who the opponent's going to be yet, but, um, you know, not going to matter. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be full regardless. Um, 
What what can you say to that when you see that? What can you say? Oh, you guys don't have any fans. Oh, what how, what about these tens of thousands of people? <laughs> you know, like it. I don't. I don't get it. And the Hurricanes are like selling out game after game this season. It just that that conversation is tired, man. You're lazy if you're still leaning into that. But uh, super awesome. You know, we've all kind of just expected it's going to become a thing, but to the, have the reality of a scheduled date and next year. Whew, all I can say is I'll see y'all there. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. Um, on that note, obviously there was a uh, they announced that at the Stadium Series game against uh, with the Avalanche and the Kings on Saturday night, and I uh, I got a question from Bobble eight one three, the interaction king of the Siren Sounder Canes podcast Twitter. Uh, he, he says, thoughts about last night's game with L.A. and Colorado seemed like more of the same with inconsistent officiating from the NHL. Well, to be honest with you, I can't really answer that question all that well because I barely saw any of it. Uh, I had a guest over for dinner and wasn't really watching the game, you know, just tuned in a little bit to, like, see it and uh, and, and check it out, but didn't watch the game. But, you know, inconsistent officiating, I think that, that sounds right about on par for any game in the league. What I did want to mention, however is I've heard this from a lot of people, is apparently just what a disaster that game was. Not from a game not as much from a gameplay standpoint, but from a like fan experience. I mean, I've seen I've seen people just putting some wild stuff. Like I saw people saying that uh, you know, we're four minutes into the second period and there's still people trying to park to get into the game in the parking lot that have been waiting in line for hours and hours and hours because the traffic is so bad because there's only one way in, one way out. I saw uh, Ubers and Lyfts wouldn't go to the stadium and people were having to walk like miles to get into town to to get a ride uh, and vice versa, you know, to get in. Had to walk miles to get there. Um, it was the the waits for whether it be bathrooms or concessions or, or whatever, um, hours crazy i mean you can't spend 45 minutes in line waiting for a concession the game you're missing half the game <laughs> like no one wants to do that it's crazy um you know and and when you got to go to the bathroom you got to go obviously there's better times to go but it, it's no it shouldn't take longer than 10 minutes ever or else uh, it's just a venue that wasn't set up at all for that sort of game. And uh, a lot of people that went to that game are really upset <laughs> about it. I would be too. I mean, that is a disaster from a PR standpoint. Um, and you got to feel for those people. They were like running out of stuff and just the weights were crazy. And, you know, getting in and out. I, I get traffic, but, you know, we've we've all been a part of... Don't You're a professional sports league. Don't set this crap up at a venue that hasn't handled it before don't be the guinea pig this no 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 let the let the low level event be a guinea pig you as a professional (laughs) league sports league one of the most popular in the world need to realize that you know you you need to you need to have proof that these people can handle it before you just throw it into existence and, and charge people this much to go um so what i can say about that from the hurricane standpoint is that we won't have to worry about that uh, it will be no, I mean, I think it'll, it'll be, it'll be the same, the same traffic, the same kind of weights, the same everything as it would be for a really, you know, a packed, maybe like a state UNC game at Carter Finley. 
Uh, I think that the the passion will match that and will be every every bit that level. Um, and you know the parking lots, it's 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 parked that many people before tailgates. I've you know been to a million. There's it's going to be crowded. It's going to be the traffic, but it's not going to be any more ridiculous than it is. To, like you should be used to if you've ever been to a football game there before. Um, it's not crazy, you know, concessions, there's plenty of them, they're everywhere, um, you know, they'll have it prepared, the bathroom's not going to be that big of a problem, I'm just, I'm just happy that that's, you know, we know that this, this arena, this stadium can handle that, because it does all the time, (laughs) it does at least, you know, six to eight times, uh, per football season, so, that's good, uh, off of the stadium series thing, um, let's go into some actual Hurricanes talk, right? Hurricanes beat the New Jersey Devils 5-2 to two, uh, in a good game. Uh, what was it, Thursday night at this point? Friday night? I don't remember. I think it was Friday. Yeah, Friday night. Uh, hey, that uh, first line, whoa. I still don't think that the other lines really brought it like they need to, but they scored, so it's okay, or more okay. Uh, but that first line, man. Svech Aho Turbo, man. I mean, I checked at one point uh, in the second period, and they had like a 90%. For for a good portion of the game, they had 100% Corsi, forced percentage. Um, meaning that they were allowing zero shots <laughs> against while they were out. Shot attempts against them while they were out on the ice and were only taking shots, which means they were essentially dominating the flow of play when they were out there. Not essentially, they were. I mean, there was no question. The the other the Devils got nothing against them, and then you know they ended the game with like an eighty something percent, which is insane. It's like if you had eight shot attempts and the other team had two, except it's probably more like sixteen to four, which is even more, right? Um, and just a, just a really good performance. Um, Peter Morazic. As I as I assumed would be the case, has come back around. Uh, you know it, this happens all the time, and and I think we've seen that usually his uh, to me his really good performances outnumber his off performances, and so you see him going to a little slump, and people start panicking and and freaking out and passing crazy judgment. Uh, as I've mentioned, I think that we tend to judge goaltending way too <laughs> on way too much of a game by game basis. It's crazy. You don't do that to any other players. It doesn't make sense to do it to the goalies. Um, it's just more noticeable, right? Because they're the only only guy in their position out on the ice in the last line of defense to stop a goal. And, and when they mess up, it equals a goal. So I get it. It's more noticeable. Uh, but it's no different than what's going out in the rest of the ice. So Peter Morazic has essentially two bad starts and, you know, wasn't playing bad before that. Comes back and, and now has had back-to-back starts where he's been really good. Uh, and he was really good in that New Jersey game. Uh, he was really on his game. He was, he was calm. You know, I think when, when he is off his confidence, he tends to really lean into his aggressive style to a fault. Like, you know, if you want to score on a wraparound, it's going to be pretty easy because he's going to be at the circles, basically, when you bring the puck around. Uh, and he just makes his defense work a little harder to save easy goals because he's just way out of position because he's overcommitted to the first one, right? Uh, I didn't see that really, uh, in that game against New Jersey. I thought he was, he was really good. He was absorbing rebounds, um, and making really good saves. And I mean, Hey, made some just ridiculous saves, especially at the end of the game when it looked like New Jersey was just going to like, uh, 
push. They had a five on three. I mean, they they were really pushing to at least make it a little closer. Um, and he really shut it down. So that was great to see. Um, and you know, we get goals from Nino, which is always good. Uh, I thought he had a better game. Still, don't think he's. You know, it seems to this seems to be the thing with Nino is is he goes into a eight nine game slump where he's not noticeable or noticeable only in negative ways and then scores and we all are like oh awesome he's coming out of it and we all praise him and kind of give him a buffer of of judgment uh and then he just goes back into it so um i'm not ready to to pull the plug on the nino needs to be better uh train just yet because he scored one goal uh it was great to see it i thought he had a good game but uh you'd like to see it keep happening so um, I should mention that this part of the show that I'm recording right now, uh, the game on Sunday, yesterday, hasn't happened yet. So don't know about that, but by the end of the show, I will be talking about that. So right now, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm saying all this, and Nino could have like scored a hat trick in that game. I don't know. And there's no whatever. But I'm trying to save myself some time, you know, get this part out of the way, and then come back and record a little bit after that game's over. Um, but yeah. So that New Jersey game was was good to see. You got some some depth scoring, which is great. Um, Hayden Flurry, I thought played outstanding. Uh, his best game in a Hurricane sweater to me. Uh, defensively was just great. Offensively, you know, looked confident, made some good plays, got pucks to the net. Uh, it was it was great to see. He's he's hopefully starting to. Grow his confidence and, and being in the lineup consistently has been a good thing for him and um, having a little bit of consistency in who he's playing with. And I think that uh, his physical game has started to come out. And I know that he's got it because in Charlotte, he was a pretty physical, gritty player. I don't understand why it never transitioned as much to the NHL. But if he can, you know, that just makes you harder to play against. You got to be hard to win battles against. He's not good enough. Uh, of, of a puck mover to be a super finesse guy, right? Like a Jacob Slavin. Like Jacob Slavin, you never really see him be super gritty and, and hard to battle against, but he's hard to battle against because of his stick his stick handling and his ability to strip you of the puck and just his finesse ability is elite. Uh, Hayden Fleury's not quite to that level, so him being able to utilize his, his physical game is important. Um... Moving on here, uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and get into this. So I put a tweet out um, asking the audience members and the those on Twitter uh, who they wanted to be a part of the next Stack Crunch segment because I wanted to do another one today. Um, and I already had an idea of some guys I wanted to do, but I left it up to everyone. And uh, the two most popular selections were Hayden Fleury and Martin Natchez. So without further ado, let's ado. It's time for the Stat Crunch. Taking a look at the analytics of two players over the last 10 games. Who is good? Who is not? What is math? Enjoy. All right. Stat Crunch. Yet again, back-to-back episodes. We're, we are really moving here. Um, Hayden Flurry will do first. Um, just to explain a few of these stats, what I'm going to look at in his numbers right here are his Fenwick Force Percentage. Uh, his expected goals against per 60, his high danger chances allowed per 60, and sorry, his expected goals allowed per 60, and his expected goals forced per 60. So, Fenwick for percentage. Uh, Fenwick, if you don't know, is just like Corsi, 
which is shot attempts, uh, shot attempts while you're on the ice for you for your team, and shot attempts while you're on the ice against your team. Uh, and usually, it's a percentage of your your four attempts divided by total attempts to give you a a good barometer of of whether you're spending more time in the offensive zone or defensive zone. If it's over fifty percent, it means that you're generating more shots, which usually means you have more possession in the other team's zone. If it's below fifty percent. Vice versa, right? We've been over this. Fenwick is the same thing, except it doesn't account for uh, blocked shots. So I want to look at these numbers every now and then. I think that there's not a there's a notable difference between the actual numbers. Um, and as far as predicting goal scoring, uh, there hasn't really been definitive proof. But some people uh, lean toward Fenwick as maybe being a little better because some teams you know, are blocking shots by design, like letting you take shots, knowing that they can block them. So it's not really fair to count that against them when you're kind of falling into their trap, if you will, right? Uh, so a Fenwick force percentage is unblocked shot attempts for divided by total unblocked shot attempts uh, for or against. Hayden Flurry has a 44.63% Fenwick forced. That is sixth out of the defense, so obviously last. Um, with these numbers... You know, I'll sum it up at the end. Uh, but obviously, not fantastic at uh, Fenwick 4 percentage. It means that, uh, he, in general, he's spending more time in his defensive zone than the offensive zone, which isn't ideal. Um, but, you know, as a third-pairing third defense, a lot of times you're not playing with the top pair or the top-line forwards or the better defensive players. You're usually out there with, you know, guys that might be getting hemmed in. You know, that third line, that hollow dezingle Natchez, or it's changed a little bit now. It's been, what, Halla, Niederreiter, Natchez. Um, maybe not the most defensively responsible. Might be harder to get the puck out. Like, it's more than just the defender's job to get the puck out of their zone. So a uh, little bit might go into that. Maybe not fair to make a strict judgment call off a of falling last place there and say that he's been their worst defenseman by any means. Moving on, uh, expected goals allowed per 60. So I wanted to do uh, some per 60 numbers for Hayden Flurry because obviously he gets by far the least ice time over the last 10 games of any of the defense. So per 60 numbers, take that out of the equation. They basically hold, if ice time were constant for everyone, uh, these would be their numbers. So per 60 minutes of play, these are his numbers. Expected goals allowed, meaning the uh, total number of expected goals um, that the other team has generated while Hayden Fleury is on the ice against them. 2.55 over the last 10 games. That is second place on the team. Who's first in that? Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Interesting, right? Um, moving on to... Well, so what that number tells us, first of all, is that uh, defensively, obviously, been doing a really good job of limiting quality, which is the most important uh, job of a defenseman to me. Moving on, the next stat we're going to look at is high danger chances allowed per 60. Pretty straightforward. Same as expected goals per 60, except it's just number of chances that are deemed high danger, and we're taking it uh, those number of chances per 60 minutes played so that ice time doesn't affect it or skew numbers one way or the other. Obviously, if you play more minutes, it would be expected that your high danger chances allowed and for are higher than those who play less time because you have less chance to be out on the ice for events. 12.56 high danger chances allowed per 60 in the last 10 games. Again, second place on the team. Again, who's first in that? Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Interesting, right? 1.77 expected goals for per 60 for Hayden Flurry as well. So expected goals for per 60, of course, the opposite of expected goals against. It's how many expected goals your team, not these aren't individual numbers. This is on ice numbers. So 
how many expected goals your team is generating while you're on the ice per 60. 1.77 is sixth place out of all the defensemen. That's last place. So let's look at these numbers here and maybe try to figure out what's going on with Hayden Fleury. Are we uh, right in our in our hope to just jump on the Flurry bandwagon and say he's been playing really well and, and starting to come into his own? Well, let's see. The Fenwick four percentage is last. What that says is that not a lot of time, not a lot of unblocked shot attempts on his side, right? The, he's he's definitely facing more shots against than he's generating while he's on the ice. Um, then we move along, or sorry, and also the expected goals for per 60, last place. So in general, not generating a lot of offense. But has that ever really been Hayden Fleury's MO? <laughs> uh, the guy who went, what, 96 games before he scored his first NHL goal? Uh, it hasn't been, you know? I think he's been more offensively confident this year, but he's not necessarily out there with all the... He's not playing with uh, top-line guys. So I think that a lot of these defensemen at even strength get an easier easier uh, path toward a good you know, Fenwick or Corsi percentage because they're playing with top end guys whereas Flurry might be playing with you know third fourth line guys uh with regard to the forwards that are out there with him then you look at those middle two stats the expected goals against and the high danger chances against per 60 um and these are numbers that indicate you know how well this player is doing at at limiting chances for other teams in the defensive zone which is like I said to me the most important job of a defenseman and second place on the team in both of those over the last 10 games is obviously very encouraging. So what I'm getting from this is that Hayden Flurry has continued to not thrive on offense, um, but has uh, really been hunkering down in the defensive zone and limiting chances. And, and to me, that's all you can ask for. So I'm happy with these numbers. Obviously, you'd love for the offense to to come up as well for for his benefit because that just means he's doing even better. But uh, you can keep those defensive numbers like that. To me, that's that's your job as a defenseman. That's what this team needs. Now, I will say you'd like to see the possession metrics uh, go up a little because it means that you're not spending as much time in your zone. So it's great that you're limiting chances, but let's go ahead and get that puck out a little sooner and let your offense get to work. Obviously, you have less of a chance of winning a game if you're spending more time in your zone, and we've talked about that a lot. So that's that's one area that I would say he can improve on is is being able to get pucks out of the zone a little easier. I still think he struggled at times to do that when he's on the ice. Next player we're going to look at is Martin Natchez. Um, Natchez, obviously a dynamic rookie who's had his ups and downs this year. He's got 15 goals, which is great to see. Uh, got his 15th goal <laughs> on an interesting little play where he deflected it and then the defenseman smacked it into his own net. You take him however you can get him. Uh, in general, I think we can agree Natchez hasn't been quite as dangerous over these last 10 games, as we've seen him uh, in his in his best times of the year, uh, because his line hasn't been the dynamic line that it, it had been in the past. So um, we'll take a look at some numbers here. I'm also going to, for the first time, analyze uh, power play numbers as well, because I think that's an important part of his game. So let's get into it. Again, we're doing Fenwick 4 percentage here, 45.63. That's unblocked shot attempts. Uh Four divided by total unblocked shot attempts. Seventh place among the forwards. Uh, if you look at the total numbers of the Hurricanes in general, and this was kind of deflating for me because when I see these numbers, I'm looking at the whole team, and most guys have been below 50%. Corsi and Fenwick, four percentage over the last 10 games. And 
if you've listened to anything I've said over the course of these last you know few weeks of these episodes, it makes sense, right? Uh, we've all we've talked about is how the team has been spending too much time in their own zone and how they've struggled getting pucks out, and it's led to goals against. Um, so you know, not surprising to me to see a third line forward be uh, negative or below fifty percent. I mean, in a possession metric. Not great, but not the worst. So uh, I think what you what you'd expect from a third line guy. Expected goals for percentage while he's on the ice. Uh, these are not individual numbers. These are just generated while he's on the ice. This is his expected goals for the team generates while he's on the ice divided by the total expected goals. So for and given up while he's on the ice. If it's above fifty percent, it means that in general more quality is being generated for the hurricanes while nature's is on the ice if it's below 50% it means that more quality is being given up by the hurricanes than they're generating while he's on the ice i think we can all guess that this one would probably be below 50% it is 40.44% that is ninth place among fords uh, that obviously needs to come up so hey if you're uh, if you're going to be giving up chances you need to be generating enough chances to to uh, kind of mitigate that right and i think that We've talked about this a lot. I think that the reason why the team hasn't been able to do that to, you know, it's it's okay if you're an offensive line and you're going to give up chances as long as you're doing your thing in the offensive zone. They haven't been able to do their thing in the offensive zone because they can't get out of their defensive end. They're spending most of their time in the defensive end, and that doesn't lead to any time to generate chances. you got to get off the ice, get on, uh, get on the bench to get fresh bodies. So that number makes sense to me. Next number is high danger chances forced per 60. Uh, again, this is total number of high danger chances forced again, while he's on the ice, not individually, uh, per 60. So taking, taking playing time out of the equation, 9.17, uh, that is 10th place. So not generating a whole lot of high danger chances. And I think that this kind of makes sense. That line hasn't been very good and has been a big reason why the hurricanes have struggled. Uh, so that's nothing, that's not a knock individually on Martin Natchez. It's just, uh, you know, you gotta be more dangerous and and they've got to, I think that starts in their defensive end. Next number, these are individual expected goals. So the expected goals you usually see, if it just says XG, that is an on-ice number. That means that this is a total number of expected goals that the team has generated while that player is on ice or given up. Uh, when you see the little I in front of it, it means individual, meaning that this is just tallying up individual expected goals for that player. So every time they take a shot, a probability is assigned to it. So if it's a 3% chance of going in, per whatever model is used, uh, it would be 0.03 expected goals individually for that player. And only that player gets that value. So, two numbers here. First of all, at even strength, uh, Martin Natchez has accumulated 0.81 expected goals over the last 10 games. That's 10th place on the team. So, um, you know, these are not per 60 numbers. These are just total. So I think you have to take it with a grain of salt and kind of say you'd like to see a guy like that probably in your six to eight range as a third line guy uh, who's supposed to be, you know, a scoring threat. Tenth place is, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten all the playing time in the world compared to some others. But I think that, you know, you're starting to get left in the dust now by guys that you should be generating more chances than. So you'd like to see that come up. Then I want to look at a power play number and his individual expected goals on the power play. 0.32 over the last 10 games, which is fifth place, which, you know, uh, means that he essentially fits on a uh, on a first unit or, you know, uh, the top guy on a second unit if you want to, if you want to say out of the Fords, you know, obviously there's four Fords per power play unit that the Hurricanes play, so 
Um, all in all, I think you'd like to see all these all these numbers come up, right? Um, and I don't think he's been bad, but I think that there's a lot more to give from a player who has 15 goals. His shooting percentage is crazy high. It's like 20%. Um, and I think that he's just been, he's been great at, um, capitalizing. His shot is fantastic. He's got, he's got a bullet of a shot. Um, and I think that he's just been really good at, at capitalizing on, on what gets thrown his way chance wise. And that's great. You love to see that. But if he can, if he can continue to keep generating more quality while he's on the ice, then his shooting percentage can go down, which it will. (laughs) And, he is going to keep scoring at the same rate, and that's that's what I would like to see. So that's what I want to see from those two guys. All right, well, I'll be back after a break that you won't know about because that's how pausing on recordings works, and uh, I will be talking about that Edmonton game. Crossed fingers for a good outcome. Dramatic irony because you already know the outcome. I'll be back. I'm back. Just watched the game. And upsetting ending. But hey, we got a point. Uh, yeah, that guy, uh, that game there was just, uh, officiating, man. Like, just get it together is the only thing. <laughs> One way or the other. Just figure out what your, what your game plan is and, and what you're trying to do and, and try a little bit to do it. I mean, it was, it was so inconsistent and even in that overtime, like Svechnikov very blatantly tugged his man down and led to an Ajo breakaway, uh, which, you know, he didn't score on. But how is that not a pe- Like, <laughs> to, to be, like, just bias-free, like, I don't know how that wasn't a penalty, but I guess it was owed since they just decided nothing was a penalty for a large portion of the game. So, um, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what to say there. You know, credit to the Oilers. They, they played well enough to get that win. Uh, credit to the Hurricanes for having what it takes to uh, come back in the last five minutes. I wasn't sure if they would or not, uh, but I guess you can never doubt Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravine, and Andrei Svechnikov. That was a, such a great play to get that last goal, and um, Ajo is just on another level. This is the dominating player we've needed, uh, and it's unfortunate that it's it's started to come at the time when the rest of the team, other than the first line, starts to kind of shut down, but you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna not be grateful for all the goal scoring. He's got nine in his last eight. Uh, had a couple chances to get the hat trick and game winners today, but uh, a great game by him. Great game by that first line in general. And you know, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Iffy penalty leads to a, a power play goal for the Oilers with that second one, and then right after that, uh, just a bad turnover by Van Riemsdyk. Uh, and a miscommunication. I honestly felt like even after the turnover, uh, Turbo was already like on his way out of the zone expecting his defenseman, who had a million years to get the puck out, to get it into the neutral zone. It didn't get into the neutral zone, so Turbo's behind his man already, and Van Riemsdyk decides to take the, the guy with the puck, which is cool, but basically that's a two-on-one. You should take the pass, let Tara Vinen try to get to that you know, guy who has the puck, catch up to the play. But if you're going to catch up to the play, you don't want to be catching up to the wide open pass. So TVR goes to the man with the puck. Teravainen's left to try to catch up to the trailer uh, and can't do it. Pass goes over and they score. Um, You know, that was a pretty big blunder if you want to uh, pick a part of the game that uh, really made a pretty big difference. That was definitely 
one of them. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of that game, the Hurricanes just not quite dangerous enough offensively. Um, it just, I don't, I don't know. It wasn't a bad game. It just wasn't their, it wasn't their best. Uh, but it definitely wasn't bad. It, it was better than what we've seen. Uh, but you'd like to beat a team like the Oilers, especially after getting that goal to tie it up. But hey, you know, things happen. Um, we're going to take a quick look at the standings here with the um, kind of disclaimer that the Blue Jackets are currently winning against the Devils. Uh, I'm going to assume that they're going to win that game <laughs> when we do these numbers because they probably will. But the Hurricanes now have 70 points in 58 games played, 33-21-4. and four. That puts them one point out of a wildcard spot. Right now it's Columbus and Philly. Both with 71. I'm going to assume that by the time this comes out, Columbus will have 73. But the Hurricanes have two games in hand on them. A game in hand on the Flyers and just one point back. So still in a decent position. And, you know, even with that said, the Islanders are at 72 points. So the Hurricanes are only two points behind the Islanders, though the Islanders have a game in hand. So some real important games coming up for the Hurricanes. We look ahead. They've got Nashville on Tuesday. And then they've got uh, the Rangers on Friday, Toronto, Saturday. And then Dallas after that, Colorado, Montreal. Um, That's that Montreal game I'll be at uh, up there in Quebec. That's so close. I can't believe it. I've been talking about that forever. And it's like the end of next week, man. Thursday of next week, I will be in Montreal. So what that means is that you're probably going to get an episode... That comes out. The Thursday episode will definitely be like pre recorded earlier. Um, so it might not be super up to date. Just know that. Uh, but, you know, hopefully I can record something while I'm there. I want to do that. I think that'd be fun uh, with a couple of the guys in my group. And, uh, you know, cool. Doesn't matter. Now that you've seen the standings uh, and you know what the team's looking at, I have a couple of. Uh, or I had I had one other Twitter question I wanted to get to. It was from Jenny Lana on Twitter um, at Kaniac Pack Twenty Seven. She she wants to know who decides or picks the three stars of the game. Um, good question. I I believe it's different, and you know I'm no expert here because I it's definitely not me. I know that right. Um, I, I'm I'm under the impression that it differs from team to team on how they do it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you know some teams have. Um, certain media personnel do it. Some of them have, like, you know, just random people, like, assigned at the arena, you know, that, that pick it every night. I think the way the Hurricanes do it, if I'm not mistaken, and it could, it, I'm sure it's maybe changed over the years, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's specific, uh, press people, like people, me, people in the media, not all of them, but, you know, a few get a vote in it. Not 100%, though, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it's not a fan vote. I know that. I think some teams have done that before. If, if some don't, don't still don't. If some don't still do it now. See, I'm practicing my French already uh, for when I go to Quebec. Um, yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just a collective of media personnel that uh, vote on those three stars at the end of the games. Hope that answers your question. Um, all right, well, here we are at the 40-minute mark, and uh, the Hurricanes have got some work to do still next week. Let's hope they can pull it off, and I hope that this is a good start to your week. 
Um, please go to the individual feed, Siren Sounder, Akane's podcast. It's on all the platforms that you always get your podcast from. It's on its own now. So if you're still listening uh, on the Hockey Podcast Network feed, that's cool. But you can listen to this individual feed as well and get just this show. Uh, so you know you don't have to download 31 other shows. You can just get this one. Uh, go check out the Ice Analytics podcast that dropped uh, last Friday. I was on that. It was a good episode, very interesting. It was a uh, an episode where he went into uh, possession metrics and shot quantity and, and, you know, what's a better indicator of, of scoring predictability, shot quantity or quality, um, something that I'm sure as a Hurricanes fan you're probably interested in because it's a conversation the Hurricanes have been in for a while. Uh, so that was really cool to talk about. And, uh, yeah, great show. Go listen to that one. Please rate and review. I think we have like four ratings, which is great. Uh, But we're still missing some. So if you reviewed the show or rated the show previously, please go to the new feed and do that again. It takes 10 seconds, but it makes a big difference, and I appreciate it. I hope you have a great week. Signing off. Be back Thursday, one week from that Montreal trip. Let's do it. Later. Later.